0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Friday, June 9th, and on today's podcast, we are doing a one-game slate breakdown of Game 4 of the NBA Finals. This episode might be a quickie. Shout out to Zion and his news this week. But since we are doing only one game, of course, slate breakdowns normally consist of five, six, seven games, I'll go in-depth We'll go through a lot of the line movement capping process that I do. We will go through a lot of the thoughts that I start to correlate, angles, exposures, uh, so on and so forth. Let's just get into it. Before I get started, let me remind you guys to follow me on Twitter at mfiddle 14 to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and to join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. That is, of course, where I first post all of my picks. They eventually, normally, make their way onto Twitter. But actually, as we approach the offseason and this in-between time of NBA and NFL, I needed to separate the men from the boys. I needed to separate the people who are paid subscribers to the WagerPass, and Discord channel versus just all the free content that I put out on Twitter. So any futures bet that I make, any off-season bet that I make for NBA and NFL, I already put in a 3.5 max exposure bet on an NFL team. I hit their division. I hit their over and their win totals. And I took some escalator bets in some playoff formats That is going to be exclusively in the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. So, if you want access to my futures portfolio, you should sign up. You should get in that group. It's It's also an awesome community. There's people who do baseball who are absolutely crushing it right now, there's people who focus on player props for the NBA way more than I do. There's people who do the DFS side of things. There's people who play all sorts of fantasy angles to talk those strategies as well, correlate where's the odds movement in a total to target a DFS slate. Where's a person sliding up the ranks in a most improved or an MVP candidate in the NFL that you might want to target in fantasy. So highly recommend joining Sports Ethos wager pass and Discord Channel. All right let's get into talking game four of the NBA Finals. Of course, like I have said many times on this podcast, I am a line movement capper. I have done a previous episode called the six different types of gamblers in the sports market or in the in the sports betting market, whatever you want to call it. I went through trends betters, models betters, systems betters the public, the house, and where I fall is a line movement capper. So let's go through a lot of the line movement capping principles and start applying them to this game four and see if we can muster up any best bets on sides and totals because that's generally, you know, where I stay in my lane. So It's where actually we have the most line movement information. So, of course, that's naturally where I should stay in my lane as a line movement capper. That would make a lot of sense. So the first thing that we do is always ask ourselves, what was the opening line and where has the movement trended since that line first opened? So it was actually DraftKings that put up a line for game four of the NBA Finals At like five, six minutes left when Denver was crushing in game three, and it's Spolstra pulled his players. And that was like, okay, when the losing coach pulls the plug in the NBA playoffs, that's generally when, okay. Bench players are going to come in. Nothing crazy is going to happen between now and the end of this game. We already know the outcome. We already know what the splits were when the starters were in the game, when the important players are playing. Whatever happens with these bench scrubs is not going to affect the line movement. If there's a crazy injury to the 12th man on the team, I mean, knock on wood, we never like to see it. But at the same time, it's not going to affect a total or a player prop or a Spread for the next game. So, DraftKings was able to put up the first line for this game. They opened it at Denver Nuggets minus three and the total at 211. So, I jumped in immediately on the Denver Nuggets minus three. Now, why would I do that as a line movement capper? Because I didn't really have line movement information in this, like I I didn't have any movement to play off of. I didn't have any sports book showing a different 3.5 or a 4 that I knew it was going to trend in that direction. So why would I grab the 3 right away? So let's start to bring in some outside basketball thoughts, some previous examples, some situational stuff to these teams to what game 4 is going to be and apply them here. So first thing I always think about when I'm handicapping any professional sport is, What's the rest advantage? You know, who's traveled more, who's traveled less, who had a game more recently? And of course, since we are at game 4 of the NBA Finals, the last game the Heat played, the last game the Nuggets played uh was game 3 of the NBA Finals. So, they have to the minute the same rest advantage. There is no travel between these two games. So, they have to the mile the same travel advantage. Of course, Miami We'll still have home court advantage, but that's certainly priced in because we were getting Denver Nuggets minus 8.5, minus 9 when they were in Denver. Of course, altitude, that's a great, great, great home court advantage. Now it's 3.5 in South Beach. Of course, South Beach, also not the strongest home court advantage as you saw the stadium empty, very reminiscent of Game 6 when Ray Allen hit that shot. And all the Miami fans are trying to get back in the arena. Don't leave the games early, especially if you're taking public transportation. So, uh, I jumped in on Denver minus three. Let's get back to that point. Why did I jump in on Denver minus three right away? Because I know the f- game three line opened at Denver minus one or minus one and a half. It was bet out to Denver minus three and a half before tip, and Denver won and covered. So I knew Denver took major steam, and they covered the spread. So that line was going to open relatively right where it closed last game. It was going to include the previous steam that it already took, and it was at minimum, going to reach back to that 3.5 number. So when I saw the 3 pop on the board, my first instinct was, well, we're eventually getting to 3.5 here, so let me take a minus 3. In the total, now that's a different story. I think game 1, we had a 2.16.5. Game 2, we had a 2.14.5. And then game... uh, I'm not even sure. But by the time we get to game 4... We're at 211 as an opening line. Of course, these games have been going under. The pace via total possessions has been sub-90 for some of these games. That's an incredibly low NBA scoring game. I mean, we have efficient offenses. Nuggets, probably most efficient offense in the league this season. Miami Heat and their three-point shooting, I mean, they're still shooting at an above 40% clip even through these three games. So also playing quite efficient offense, but that there's just no possessions going back and forth in this game. There's they're, they're not getting a lot of shots on goal, as Eric Spoelstra would like to say. So for those reasons, this is trended under, but we need to take into consideration two eleven is the lowest line we've ever seen. So Even the previous games that opened at 2.14 or even opened at 2.16 and moved down to 2.14 and a half or moved down. I think the last one opened at uh, 2.14 and a half and moved down to 2.12 and a half prior to dip. That is correct. I'm doing this all based off memory. So 2.14 and a half moves down to 2.12 and a half. Then we see 211, and that's the lowest number we've ever seen on the board. As opposed to when we're working off the spread, it moved from 1 to 3.5, it covered, and then opens at 3 again. Now, if that total had opened at 213, I would have bet the under because I would have been rest assured this is getting at least back down to 212.5. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I was doing it relative to... Previous Steam on this exact game in this exact location with no rest advantage, no travel advantage, and we're using the same relatively the same numbers. We had so much information that we needed about line movement, even at line drop. So then we even take into consideration that okay, yes, every game's a new game, we can't overly react to what happened in the previous game. So let's start evaluating what's happening on the board for this game. Specifically, let's look at the total because we already have a bet in on the spread. We've already beat CLV. The board is at three and a half everywhere. So we have a minus three, which makes our bet easier to win. So we have a half point of closing line value. So we have done our job on the spread. Now let's look over at the total. It opened at 211. It started trending down to 210 and it didn't get down to 210 anywhere and now it started to climb back up to 211 so this starts to tell me okay there's mixed sharp groups on both sides there's pretty equal money probably on both sides and considering the money from line movement bettors i'm not talking about public bettors who are throwing in a $10 bet and you throw you know 1000 $10 bets together it's $10,000 no I care what is the one guy who does $7,500 in a bet do, right? Because the book is going to react to that one better more than they react to the $1,010 bettors. We want to follow big money. So actually, let's even go back to the spread. We're seeing 69% of the bets on the the Denver spread and 77% of the money. So that should explain why it's gone from three to three and a half, right? So we not only... Are trending that way because of previous games, because of line movement indicators, because of it covering, because Denver taking command of the series. We also know people who are betting bigger money, if there's 69% of the bets, but 77% of the money, the average ticket on the Denver side is larger. So the people who bet bigger bucks are betting the Denver Nuggets. So that's another strong indicator to say, okay, I want to be on the Denver side. So for this game, best bet for me is Denver minus three. Best bet I would still take right now because I don't really care about the difference between three and three and a half in an NBA Finals game where there's going to be plenty of late game fouling, especially if the Heat are on the brink of going down 3-1 and then traveling to Denver for a game five. I don't mind the three and a half. I would still definitely play it. I'm in for 3 quarters of a unit because of my futures portfolio and having potential 15 winnings of 15 units of winning on the Denver side anyway, so I'm already completely 10 toes deep into the Denver Nuggets winning the series and have absolutely no exposure on the Miami side. So, for that reason, it's going to be a small bet for me here. But I really wouldn't mind going full unit unit and a half. You have all the indicators you need to know that Denver Nuggets is the right side for this bet. Okay, back to the total. Sorry, I'm going all over the place, but it's a one game sleep breakdown. I hope you're following. Back to the total. open to 11, ticks down to 210 and a half and then starts to climb back to 211. So another thing that I've consistently spoken about on this podcast is, What are the correlated angles, overs and favorites, unders and underdogs? If there's less scoring in a game, it makes it more likely for the underdog to keep it close. If there's more scoring, it makes it more likely for the favorite to be able to pull away. It's simple math. If there's 240 points scored in this game, there's more possible combinations that Denver has a four-point lead. So, I mean, a, f- a four-point lead is very minimal. We're, we're generally applying these theories to seven, eight, nine-point spreads. But take it take it with a grain of salt here. Anyways, that's my first thing. So when I see movement towards the under, and I know I'm on Denver, I don't also want to jump in on the under. That's rever- That's like they work against each other. You want to try and pick one side that you think is going to win in that situation, and the choice that you're making is not which side do I like better, it's which side do I expect to gain more closing line value. You're asking which ticket do you think is going to beat the market by more points. Of course, half a point in the in a spread is maybe worth one point in a total because The expected outcomes of spreads are higher than the expected outcomes of totals. It's more likely that this game ends at 3 or 4 than this game ends at 211 or 212. Also, it's just a simple math thing about the number of combinations that it's very realistic for an NBA game to land anywhere between 180 and 240. And it's not realistic for... (laughs) the 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 difference of outcomes to be 60 points in spreads so for that reason spread movement carries more weight than total movement so i jumped on the spread cuz i knew the spread was definitely going to move and i didn't i saw the lowest number i'd ever seen on the under movement, I didn't want to grab it. I didn't know how far it would move. So that's why I grabbed Denver minus three and did not take something that worked against me and was like kind of reverse correlated. I don't even know if that makes sense. And I did not jump in on the under. So I waited. it. It went down to 210 and a half. Whole market pretty much went down to 210.5. I said to myself, well, maybe I did miss some value. Maybe I should have hit it for half a unit. Maybe I should have gotten in there and, and played the under. In the last game, under and Denver both hit. So definitely is possible, even though they work against each other. I mean, certainly both are possible to hit. Literally just did. And then we see FanDuel, Caesars. DraftKings is still at 2.10.5. PointsBet is still at 2.10.5. And a few other books coming back to 2.11. Now, that late movement towards the over gets me excited. It makes me say, okay, let me go find a remaining 2.10.5 on the board and hit the over. Let me get the best number from the under movement that's now going back the other way. Even beat the opening line and gain closing line value on an over. Over is correlated with the Nuggets minus 3.5. We are seeing late movement towards the over. And as a line movement capper, late movement is the most important movement. Why? This is also something I've said a lot of times on this pod. If you're a regular listener, you know what's coming. Because the books increase the bet limits as the game gets closer. They'll let you bet 2000 bucks when the line first opens. They'll let you bet 10000 bucks when it's 12 hours out. They'll let you bet 50000 bucks when it's six hours out. So that's contextualized to a normal situation where the lines come out 24 hours in advance. Here, we're in an NBA Finals. There's no other games. We know what's coming. There's two or three days in advance. So the limits might shift on the hours at a different ratio. Of course, we're not six hours before the game at time of recording right now. So, the bet limits have increased. It means first money came in on the over, I mean on the under, and second money comes in on the over. Sharp groups sometimes like to wait. And if they're hitting bigger money, later lines, and giving me movement the other direction, that already correlates with my play on the, side that I've gained CLV on, then yes, I will also jump in for three quarters of a unit on the over 210.5. I do expect by this time this podcast gets recorded, that everywhere is 2, I mean uploaded, that everywhere is 211. And I bet by tip off that we're looking at 212s. That is my experience as a line movement capper and my ability to value late movement in the market. I bet you this goes higher than it even opened. I bet you I grabbed a 210.5, it opened at 211, and it closes at 212.5. Those situations are very rare to beat the book like that. In fact, I'm getting so excited about it, I'm going to hit it for a unit and a quarter. So 1.25 units on the over, and Three-quarters of a unit on the Denver side. That will be it for me today. Let's actually talk. I, I'm, I'll i try and get in one more episode. Let's see how long the series goes. I will get in one more episode before the end. So if Denver wins this game, I will make sure I do a pre-game five episode. If Miami wins this game, I'll maybe wait till it goes 3-2 one way to, to react. But then in the offseason... I'm going to do one podcast every week on Wednesdays. Some of them are going to be strategy episodes, and then some of them are going to be futures, drafts, uh, fantasy stuff, strategy stuff. A lot of good stuff coming. If you have any topics that you want me to hit from a strategy perspective, let me pull up the topics that I definitely want to get to. I have tips for live betting. I have sourcing information, I have arbitrary deadlines, and I have working off of a bet. So those are four podcast topics I want to do. I also want to redo key numbers for NFL. I'll redo teaser rules for NFL. I did it last season. The information still holds, but I think I'd suck that podcasting back then. This episode kind of sucked anyway. So let's wrap it up there. Send me a tweet, message me, join the Sports Ethos Discord if you want off-season, wagers, futures, that kind of stuff. A lot more coming here on The Advantage. As always, peace out.